you can communicate with people in a way that doesn't get super technical. It takes all of the fuzziness out of it and engages people a little bit more. Folks know Red Rover. Folks, folks know, um, you know, the bell of the ball. From Ray and Associates Studio, this is Unsuitable, a management and financial services podcast for entrepreneurs, tenured business leaders, and others who are ready to look beyond the suit and tie culture for meaningful, measurable results. I'm Doug Hauser. On this weekly podcast, thought leaders and business professionals break down complicated and mundane topics and give you the tips and insight you actually need to grow as a leader while helping your organization to grow and thrive. If you haven't already, hit the subscribe button so you don't miss future episodes. And if you want access to even more information, show notes, and exclusive content, please visit our website at www.raycpa.com podcast and sign up for updates. Cyber threats and data breaches are making the news more and more. And it's a terrible thing when it happens to any or all businesses, certainly. But when your business does work for the government, it's particularly bad. It's a national security issue. The Department of Defense recently implemented the Cybersecurity Maturity Model Certification to help protect America as a whole, as well as businesses that do work for the Department of Defense. Ty Wittenberg, a senior team member on Ray's Cybersecurity and Data Protection Team, is here to explain what CMMC is what it means for businesses, and how business owners can implement the processes necessary to achieve the proper certification. Welcome back to Unsuitable, Ty. Hey, Doug. Thanks for having me again. I really appreciate it. Oh, always. It's always a a pleasure to have you on, and uh, I always learn so much. And, you know, at the same time, it kind of scares me, too, because, you know, you see all this stuff out there, and it's you know, obviously in the news more and more, as, as we said in the opening, uh, we saw that with the, uh, you know, the pipeline a couple of months ago. I mean, you can go back to solar winds and I mean, but, you know, I think part of the the misnomer here is that, gosh, they're really only after the big, big companies, right? And and certainly we'll get into this with the CMMC, but it's, it's really everybody who needs to be aware of this, Correct. Most certainly, most certainly. Uh, if you are doing business and you're lucky enough to not have to use any type of electronics or technology, that you could consider this a blessing. But if you're like the other 95% of us that rely on email, uh, rely on uh, a Slack or a Microsoft Teams, or having to share data uh, across organizations, then you're feeling the pain right now. Yeah. And speaking of which, you know, myself dealing in uh, construction and, and commercial real estate, you know, they were often an afterthought and it's like, ah, you know, nobody cares about a, you know, $20 million a year HVAC contractor. Or they're not that sophisticated. What's the big deal? I know we've had some instances certainly recently where uh, clients and, and prospective clients have have gotten hit. And I think part of the interesting thing with this whole CMMC certification process is that it it applies to everybody, right? Regardless of size, correct? Yeah, correct. Regardless of size, you know, the defense industrial base is huge when you think about it. And it you talked about construction. There are construction companies that are in the defense industrial base that do business with the DOD. As a matter of fact, I think Ray even has a couple clients that, you know, dabble in, in that particular sphere. And so, 
No longer can you say I'm a small fish in a big pond. I think if you think back to the situation that happened with the HVAC company that was working with Target and had was on the same network as the credit card company, long gone are the days of saying, well, nobody wants me. You know, I guess you, uh, you are the bell of the ball now, no matter what type of $20 million or not. Yeah, absolutely. So when we think through these, these uh, CMMC requirements, it's not necessarily just a direct relation with the government, is it? You can be kind of an indirect provider and, and still fall under these guidelines. Is that, is that so? Most definitely. So, you know, your primary contractors, you know, everybody thinks of the Northrop Grumman's or, or the Sikorsky's, you know, the, the Phillips of the world that have contracts uh, with the government. But the reality is they, just like the rest of uh, the world, rely on small business, specialty shops and manufacturing or, or in any other industry, I guess you can name around clothing and all of that stuff that they rely on those folks to help build parts of what our our government need, whether it be for defense or it be for retail. And so, you know, these small folks have to be in compliance because of um, that relationship to uh, a federal contract or, or in some cases having access to things around what we would call controlled, unclassified information. So talk a little bit about that then. If I'm somebody, say, you know, maybe even two or three steps down the line and I'm a, you know, fairly small, maybe niche manufacturer or contractor. Now, now all of a sudden I, I hear this CMMC. What does, what does that mean for me in, in terms of what I have to do and, and deadlines? When do I have to adhere to it and all that? That's a great question, right? And so a lot of folks, you know, if you're a business leader and you stay on top of your uh, governance uh, around IT, which you know is tied into your procurement process, then you were proactive with this. You're you're in the tabloids that talk about DoD information around acquisition or defense contract information. You saw the CMMC conversations happening in 2018 and and then 2019, and so you, you saw the future. Otherwise, you're on the other half or the other side of the pond where it was a trickle down effect. Your primary said, hey, in order for me to continue to do business with you, you have to submit this self-assessment. And then you have to, with that self-assessment, you have to have what's called a system security plan and a plan of action milestones on how you're going to achieve the cybersecurity maturity model certification that's appropriate for this contract. So we've had a couple clients where it's kind of been the latter. They got notified that they needed to update their NIST uh, 800-171 assessment, and they needed to start preparing to achieve whatever maturity level uh, it was. And in this particular instance, the one I'm talking about is maturity level three. So if anybody's been doing business with a, uh, a prime and they're a sub or they're a sub of a sub, they've had to submit a, a self-assessment, the NIST 800-171, and they've had to put it into uh, the procurement portal, uh, what they call SPURS. And then if they haven't done that, uh, holy smokes, they, they need to get on top of it. Now, you said timeline, right? So yeah. when, when you think about timeline, nothing in the government moves at the speed of a Usain Bolt uh, <laughs> or any future track star out there. So, you know, 
the DOD was smart about this. They said, hey, they did a uh, request of information in October 2019 for the long-term implementation of sustaining the growth for the cybersecurity maturity model. And that RFI was seeking an independent body to, to help oversee the management of CMMC. So those were kind of the first steps. Uh, and then after November 2019, meeting with the DOD, uh, the nonprofit accreditation body was put together. So now you leap forward, uh, we get into 2020 and they create some supplemental things around that. And uh, the forces behind all of this create the Cybersecurity Maturity Certification Accreditation Body. Uh, and that accreditation body org is in partnership with the Department of um, the Undersecretary and the DOD, uh, Undersecretary of Defense for Acquisition and the DOD rolled in place the CMMC model. So gotcha. Crawl, and- crawl, crawl, don't walk, right? So, right. And so I know we have, you and, and a couple of uh, colleagues have this, this certification, which not, not a lot of folks do at this point. And again, if I'm a, you know, a typical small owner-managed business, our, our client base, you know, this now it's in front of me. It could really impact me, prevent me from bidding on, on opportunities and, at the same time, if I get ahead of the game and, and get on this now, it could potentially be a competitive advantage for me as well, right? Right. It could definitely be a, a differentiator versus being a, a a negative delta, right? You could turn it into a positive delta. Some of the things that the Department of Defense said with that is, you know, everybody who gets a government contract by the by the end of fiscal year 2026, anybody that does business in the space with the Department of Defense will need to have some maturity level between either maturity level one, which will allow them to see federal contract information. Uh, maturity level three is where the, the biggest brunt of everybody in that defense industrial base will be, um, where they'll need to have that maturity level three, where they can have access to controlled unclassified information. And then there's maturity level four and five, which they're still trying to iron out. Uh, and I think there'll probably be some things around that, around security clearances as well too. Um, you know, there was even some discussion uh, with Kay Arrington uh, in a podcast that she did where, you know, there might even be in, in maturity level four and five, like maturity level 4.1, 4. 4.2, 4. 4.3. Wow. Yeah, getting that granular. So so better to get, get the experts uh, like you and our team in, involved for sure. Uh, Most on. definitely. I think you want to be ahead of this versus behind it. You know, there, there's been tons of folks in industry, big companies that, um, you know, if you think about the relationships that we have, uh, internet providers and stuff like that in the European theater around uh, GDPR and stuff like that, that drag their feet. Yeah. Unlike GDPR, you know, you could continue to do business and kind of roll the dice of whether or not you get fined. But this has a direct monetary revenue impact on businesses if they are not complying with CMMC. So when we, we talk about preparing for this, you've mentioned a couple of times a, a system security plan. What, what exactly is that and what's in it? How does one put all that together with, with our assistance? Yeah. So, you know, I never want to come across as blasphemous, right? But it's almost the Bible of your IT technology, your policies, your procedures, and your process. And it can be a lengthy document. It talks about who owns what process. Is it implemented? 
if it's not applicable to you. And then not only do you have a direct policy, like everybody has an employee handbook for the most part, right? You can do this when you're on company time. You can't do this. This is what sick days look like. Think of it like that. This is your marching orders for how you do business with your IT and how you control that information you have access to. And depending on your maturity level, maturity level one does not require a system security plan. So if you're a small business, a mom and pop or family business that works in specialty for a particular vendor in the deal space or or DOD space or directly with them, as long as you have some ad hoc things in place, you're okay. But the minute you're the RFP has controlled unclassified information in it. You have to demonstrate this culture uh, and the SSP kind of maps that culture for you around what's the policy? How do people do it? If you and I were to walk into a business tomorrow that needed to be a maturity level three and we needed to see that for physical security, uh, when somebody enters the building, you have to get a visitor's badge. Um, Right. You have to um, sign in. You have to turn that badge back in. You know, all of those processes have to be written down and demonstrated not only through a piece of paper saying that you do it, but through your own actions. You know, you have to walk your talk. So, you know, and we've run into this, and I know you see a lot of companies, uh, small, mid-sized owner-managed businesses say, well, I have a I have a managed service provider that does this, you know, does my IT for me. You know, I'm sure they're, they're on top of this and and they've got uh, this covered, but that's that's obviously not not the case, is it? No, you know, um, what's the leadership thought process around situational leadership? You uh, direct, you coach, you support, and you delegate. Yeah, this is one of those where owners of businesses can't just delegate; they still have to maintain. Uh, some form of leadership over it, direction, that that coaching and that directing piece. They need to be informed. You know, my dad, I love him to death, drove me nuts as a teenager when he used to say ignorance of the law was no excuse. Ignorance of what's going on with the IT in your organization, whether you be large or small, is no excuse. You know, larger organ- and public corporations have things like Sarbanes-Oxley, GLBA that kind of manage them. Uh, CMMC is bringing that to a whole new level. I think whether you be a small enterprise, a small business, uh, medium-sized business, or, or even a large enterprise, it, it is a level. It is a level playing field around ensuring that those people out there who want information around what our government does or what our how we build what we build does not get easy access to it. Sort sort of like our president kind of putting his foot down. If you know yesterday, where he said. If you use cyber, uh, we'll respond with cyber. Yeah. You know, uh, and I'm not saying that we're getting to that particular point, but I think leaders in business nowadays have to be much more cognizant of what their digital footprint is, what their data sovereignty is, and not be very cavalier about how they would have operated in the past and just kind of turn it over to somebody else to do it all and wash their hands of it. Yeah, and we see a lot of things like this where companies maybe don't want to put the additional processes and procedures in place because they're, you know, it's, well, it's kind of a pain. I don't want to go to multi-factor authentication. Hell, I can't, you know, I can only remember so many passwords and blah, blah, blah. So, so, you know, so where do you start when you have a a company like that? I mean, do you go in and do kind of an initial assessment? Where, Where do you start with this process? 
So that's a great question as well, right? I think for us, the self-assessment form, the NIST 800-171, really kind of sets the roadmap for how you engage that. That becomes your gap analysis, right? Some folks, you know, when you think in accounting world, you think about audits and stuff like that. You know, our team participates with our audit team around looking at the IT part of the financial side of audit. Well, this 800-171 gets pretty deep like that as well, too. And depending on what particular level you need to be at, we can identify, are you doing these things ad hoc? Is your organization risk-informed? Uh, and you are you doing them at a relative level? Or are you building into that particular space? So there's a lot of things that go into that. You can't just buy a software solution or a piece of equipment and think that you're going to be there. We're looking at all of it. The, the logic behind the software. We're looking at the hardware. We're looking at the cultural aspect of it, how your people employ it day in and day out. It's almost as if you're, as the Japanese would call it, standing in the circle, you know, like a Kaizen event. And, uh, you know, the Japanese call it uh, Jimba. I, I don't want to mess that up, or maybe it's Gimba, uh, where you stand in the circle and you go to the place where the work happens and you observe it. And if you're not doing those things, then this 800-171 uncovers it, and then it allows you to identify those gaps and talk about controls that you need to put in place in order to ensure you are doing the correct things to not only safeguard the government, but really in the end, you're safeguarding your intellectual property and ensuring a dedicated revenue stream to you that can be pretty beneficial to a lot of folks because, as we all know, the government likes to buy a lot of stuff. Yeah. And that's the thing too. We we try to talk to clients about this, you know, at some point when you are looking to transition your business, uh, particularly if you're looking at some type of third party transaction, uh, whether it's to a, a you know, somebody else in the industry, a strategic buyer, or private equity, whatever, you know, they're gonna really pay attention to these things because if you've got again good processes and procedures in in place, that enhances the value of of your operation, right? Exactly. And, and you know what, if, if you're looking for cyber insurance, uh, you know, if you're a good driver, you get, uh, and, and you have a good credit rating, you yeah. get a better driving uh, discount, right, on your insurance. Well, if, absolutely. If, if you've taken your cyber seriously and you need to get cyber insurance, that should have some positive impacts for you there. You know, and depending on your state, you know, Ohio has the Ohio uh, Safe Harbor Law, you know, HB 220 that, you know, states is, is more business friendly than uh, consumer friendly around if you've been doing your due diligence to safeguard uh, sensitive information, whether that be personally identifiable, you know, we're talking about control and classified information, but these organizations, if they're doing these things, you know, it can help protect them from, you know, potentially reduce the impact of, of lawsuits as well too. Yeah, absolutely. So once you've gone in or, or assisted, say, with uh, an assessment and you've got this gap analysis, uh, how how then does a company go about implementing the the things necessary to meet the CMC requirements and demonstrate full compliance? How, how does how do you proceed from there? Well, if we've come in and done the gap analysis, we've become pretty intimate with that client as well, too. We've identified the gaps. We can pretty much put together a high-level plan of action milestones for that. Now, your question was, well, how do they go about doing that? You know, some folks may try to go at it themselves to get to that maturity level. 
I liken it to if you've never had to do any plumbing for your house, change out um, filter on your AC unit, or or better yet, in this modern day age, install a uh, a Nest thermostat in your home. <laughs> you go out and hire somebody who's an expert, right? This is what they do day in and day out. Hopefully, you don't represent yourself in court. And if you're a large business, you don't do your own taxes. You get a Ray to help you with that. Right. You can navigate the waters. So same in cyber, right? So, you know, a lot of times, if if you don't want to dedicate the manpower to it, or you don't have an IT team, or it's not in the wheelhouse of your managed service provider, you know, a registered provider organization, which Ray is, can go in and literally from that gap analysis start helping you put policies and procedures in place, help you write that, you know, 40-page document or 50-page document that a system security plan may be. But more importantly, walk in lockstep with you to make sure you're getting to the goals that you need to. I always, I talk to folks sometimes and I I tell them it's like uh, Red Rover as a kid, right? Our arms are interlocked and you can't break through. If, If we're in lockstep, we'll get you there and we'll get you there safely. Um, but you have to be open to change and, and your culture has to be prepared to make some of those pivots and culture takes time. So yep. don't think that this will be an overnight process. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I love all these great analogies you come up with, Ty. It's always my favorite part of talking with you. Do you get, get all that from your military background or is that just innate for you? Well, I think part of it has gotten better as I age. The things that I got from the military, you and I will have to talk about sometime when we're having a beer or a bourbon together. I like it. It's not appropriate for radio or, or not for this <laughs> podcast. No, that's not true. I, I had some great leaders in the military and it taught me a lot, taught me about, a lot about discipline, really taught me a lot about integrity and, you know, building that relationship with folks. But the analogies, I think it comes, I work with a great group of guys, you know, Sean, you know, oh, yeah. And then the other thing is if you can communicate with people in a way that doesn't get super technical, it takes all of the fuzziness out of it and engages people a little bit more. Folks know Red Rover. Folks, folks know, um, you know, the bell of the ball, you know, the, the prom king or the prom queen. So, you know, you can make a difference with folks when you speak common language versus TCP, IP, you know, SSD. As right. soon as doing all that stuff, people tune me out really, really fast. Yeah. Well, you know, well said. I, I, I and that's, that's great, great insight. I love it. Bottom line is if anybody's, if you even think you're touching the government in any way, right, you better, you know, you better give us a call and, and talk to Ty and our team of experts and see where you need to be and how we can help you with a roadmap to get there. So yeah. I would just add one thing if I could, right? Sure. Actually, absolutely. The one client that we were doing business with, they stopped getting business from their prime because they hadn't done the self-assessment. Now, I didn't ask them for dollars and cents, but since we did the self-assessment for them and submitted it in Spurs, the primary, they have won 18 new contracts uh, since uh, the end of March when we engaged with them. Wow. That's a huge win. That's an investment uh, where they weren't getting any money. Yeah. Uh, and and now they are, are generating uh, much more revenue. That's awesome. Yeah, great, uh, great story there for sure. So, well, thanks, Ty, and uh, we'll look forward to having you on again. I appreciate uh, your insight as always, and and certainly if you want more business tips and insight or to hear previous episodes of Unsuitable, 
uh, visit our podcast page at www.racecpa.com slash podcast. And while you're there, sign up for exclusive content and show notes. Thanks for listening to this week's show. Be sure to subscribe to Unsuitable on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you're listening to us right now, including YouTube. I'm Doug Hauser. Join us next week for another Unsuitable interview from an industry professional. The views expressed on Unsuitable on Ray Radio are our own and do not necessarily reflect the views of Ray and Associates. The podcast is for informational and educational purposes only and is not intended to replace the professional advice you would receive elsewhere. Consult with a trusted advisor about your unique situation so they can expertly guide you to the best solution for your specific circumstance. 